Before the episode starts, I'd like to let you know of a discount code that was shared with me for raroptics.com blue light blocking glasses. If you use the coupon code biohackerslab, that's B-I-O-H-A-C-K-E-R-S-L-A-B, that's biohackerslab, when you purchase a pair of blue light blocking glasses from Raw Optics, you'll be able to get a nice discount. Welcome to Biohackers Lab, a place where we talk to smart people who are figuring out how to improve health in interesting ways. Join us to discover how you can biohack your life, your body, starting today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Biohackers Lab. I'm your host, Gary Kerwin, and on today's episode, I have Matt Maruka. Matt founded Raw Optics to make the world's finest blue light blocking glasses. He also created The Light Diet that directly addresses the root of the modern chronic disease epidemic of mitochondrial dysfunction. He did this after having suffered from poor health and chronic fatigue at a young age due to technology overuse and an indoor lifestyle. Matt now travels the world studying and teaching about the relevance of light on human health. Matt, thanks so much for coming on for an episode for today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I said in the intro there what we're going to talk about, which is the light diet. So I got to meet you recently in London when you were at uh, the Health Optimization Summit, and you told me a little bit about the light diet, but today we're going to explore that topic a bit more. So if you wouldn't mind, could you tell listeners what is the light diet? So the light diet is a diet of our light environment, so the light that we're spending our time under because it turns out the latest, most advanced research is showing that light is the force that controls the function of our cellular engines and our metabolism. It drives our sleep cycle, production of key hormones, our circadian rhythm, which is also known as the biologic clock. Light controls all of these things directly. And so if we alter our light environment, which we've done, then we cease to function the way our bodies are designed. And therefore, we see all the modern diseases we've been having. So for example, um, the body is electromagnetic in its function. Ultimately, that's what the research has been showing, meaning that light controls it. And so for all of history, there was really no ability for an organism to alter the electromagnetic spectrum that was uh, striking the earth. We were bound to the control of sunlight and the daily solar cycle. Um, you know, day and night, the rhythm. And then we maybe had firelight, we had darkness, we had stars, the moon, lightning flashes, and that was about it. And then in 1879, we harnessed electricity to create the light bulb. And then we've started using all kinds of man-made frequencies on the electromagnetic spectrum between our power lines, our electrical devices. And so for the first time in all of evolutionary history, we've been able to interfere with all of the processes that were previously before completely fixed. Therefore, if you look, for example, I was yesterday at a public pool, just looking, observing the people, like practically everyone's overweight in, in, you know, in the United States, either overweight, sick looking, underweight, no one looks healthy. Very, very few people look healthy and attractive. And, uh, it's clear to me based on the research that the only way this is possible is because everyone is able to disrupt like this wouldn't have been possible for everyone to be this unhealthy that long ago. But now that we've created phone, you know, we use phones all the time. We use artificial wireless technology, like what we're using to talk right now. And I'm a little concerned about, but I, I should be wired in, but I'm not cause I'm on the road. Uh, these things completely d- disrupt and really damage our internal 
systems that haven't been able to be disrupted before. So in order to solve these problems, the, the solution isn't a diet of food because food is just the input into our engines and it has very little to do in the controlling of the metabolism. Therefore, we need a diet of light to address what is actually the root issue of modern chronic diseases. And this has been missed by pretty much all of the health communities up until the last few years when Dr. Jack Cruz began talking about it. And I've learned a lot from him. And now like Ben Greenfield and Dave Asprey hopped on the train as well. Mm-hmm. And, and others. Yeah. And so that's why I thought it'd be an interesting topic to bring you on because so many listeners to the podcast have listened to different experts talk about nutrition. So different types of food, different ways of eating. And you're bringing a completely different aspect here of saying, well, look at what kind of EMFs or light sources you're being affected by and and use that as a higher priority to deal with first versus just only what you eat. Is that is that the best way I could look at this? Yeah, I would say it's like higher priority would be the the best, a really good way to put it, because if it's if it's lower priority, then you're just wasting your time trying to eat a better diet. I mean, honestly, and I don't mean that like as an exaggeration, like really it's a waste of time because it's not going to fix the root problem. Like the best analogy I, I always put together for people is imagine if you have a car's engine and our, so our cells have engines just like a car's engine. But if we have a car engine and the spark plugs in the engine, part of the ignition system, which ignites the gas and makes the pistons fire, if the spark plugs are old and worn down, likely the car will either, the engine will misfire, the, the car won't accelerate properly, or it won't start at all. The engine won't start at all. And if, if someone were, for example, to go and put in premium gas in an attempt to fix the broken spark plugs, the broken ignition system, nothing would change in the spark plugs and the ignition system. Sure, maybe it'll burn a little bit cleaner and help the problem for a little bit, but it's not solving the root issue of a damaged ignition system. And so trying to solve a broken car engine and broken, uh, worn down spark plugs in a car engine with fuel, with better fuel is the same as trying to fix broken mitochondria and cellular engines and a broken metabolism in a human or any other organism with food as well. It's, it doesn't, um, it doesn't work. It, it doesn't address the factors that cause the issue in the first place, which is an altered electromagnetic spectrum. Like for example, someone who, again, just going back in my mind to the people I was looking at yesterday, like everyone is never getting the solar exposure in the morning, which drives the production and function of all of our hormones and our body's circadian rhythm, our daily sleep cycle, which is how we repair and regenerate. So complete absence of the, 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 the number one essentially driver of our bio- biology, the sun, and it's, it's uh, different frequencies that control everything. People know vitamin D synthesis is one of them, which is direct. You can't eat food to make vitamin D. You can eat high vitamin D food, which can help, but it doesn't really compare to the sun in its physiologic um, effects downstream. And there's tons of other examples where the sun directly affects biologic processes that were previously not well known about, like how blue light from the sun, we have special receptors in our eyes, skin, blood vessels, and subcutaneous fat called melanopsin. It's a pigment that receives just blue light wavelengths. And in the eye, it controls, it speaks directly to the suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is the master clock of our brain and controls our circadian rhythm. So food, irrelevant, or food completely out of the conversation, light alone controls the body's sleep cycle and secretion of melatonin, which is like our master hormone for anti-aging, antioxidant, uh, so on, repair, 
mitochondrial repair, which is the key thing that links to modern diseases. So it is absolutely like priority number one. If someone's whole light systems are damaged and disrupted, then they could be eating the cleanest diet ever, but they'll still be pale. They'll still gain weight. They'll still feel like crap. And it won't even matter what they're eating. Essentially, it could reduce the, I, I will say, to be honest, it can definitely reduce the pain, but it isn't going to solve the issue. Like for me, diet, I got started with a paleo diet and it, it made me feel so much better that I was like, whoa, this actually works. But I hit like a super brick wall when I went from like, okay, I, I removed the, the wire brush rubbing on my wound, but I never touched on the things that make the wound heal, which the wound isn't the best example because it heals itself naturally. But um, in our, in our process, in our case, our bodies don't won't just heal naturally if we remain in the same toxic light environment, which is disrupting our sleep, circadian rhythm, hormones, and everything constantly. Mitochondrial function, energy generation being the, the most important factor. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I mean, I've had a passion about lights and trying to get a more natural light and exactly what you're talking about with the body clock. So this may be a new concept to some. Um, I know it's going to be controversial with some people thinking, no, but Matt's just said like food doesn't matter. Like it does, it does matter. And yeah, I can see yeah, some does. of the YouTube comments, comments with that right now, but I do agree with you. You know, light is a, is a massive health impact on our bodies. Um, so could you light just is primordial would be a great way to put it. It is mm -hmm. primordial. And for example, another great way to put it is um, for, for those specific people you're referring to who might comment and that's fine. Skepticism. Welcome. Um, food, the question, the question that these people may not have considered is what makes, what distinguishes food from inanimate matter, like rocks. Just think about it. It's the energy of the sun stored in the bonds that make it something that we can use for function in our body. And therefore, even those who think that food is foundational have proven that light is foundational by virtue of the fact that food is just energized matter that we can break apart releasing the light energy stored in the bonds to fuel our biological function. So I win, I win. <laughs> light wins. I don't really have much stake in the game, to be honest. Hmm. But you would agree then that different types of food would probably be benef better for someone, like you said, in your yeah, case, of course, eating a cleaner diet with a paleo. Yeah, of course. I wouldn't say it's it's ir irrelevant. If I've if I've made it, if I've come off as sounding it's irrelevant, it's more just to pr provoke the point. Mm. Um, I will, and I will repeat the point, which is that if your light environment is destroyed, eating a healthier diet won't solve your issues. It may improve them tremendously, but it won't solve them. Um, it's just like with the broken car engine. Again, like you can like put in fuel additives, aka vitamins and supplements. You can put in premium fuel like keto raw vegan, whatever one considers to be the most optimal diet, but it's not fixing the spark plugs, no matter how good it is. And therefore you can do it all day and it'll help, but it isn't going to fix the root issue. A great example are carnivores. You're familiar with the carnivore diet? It's kind of uh, a rage. Oh, I've interviewed a lot of carnivores on this podcast. Great. This is great. I just met with one in Austin, carnivore Kurt. He's like sort of up and coming, one of the carnivore guys. Um, I've met, you know, talked with Paul Saladino, Michaela Peterson a bit briefly. And basically like the thing that I want to point out is like, sure, they think they've gone into remission, you know, they've healed themselves um, because they're not eating any plant uh, free of this issue myself. Cause I, I am also plagued by immune system dysfunction due to my lifestyle that I'm working on improving. But um, you know, like the, like my previous life that caused the issues that, that led me into this. But the point that I'm making is that even though they might be symptom free, if you, if you eat 
like a, a plant and then your body goes crazy and you start having like, a, you know, autoimmune flares where your joints are degenerating, which was, I think, the case with Michaela Peterson and so on. I, I know it was the case. Um, you're not healed. Your problem isn't solved. Does that make sense? People have been eating plants for a long time and they haven't been having these insane diseases. So it's, it's not that the plants are the cause. It's that the toxic light environment, which destroys the function of the immune system and all these other part processes in the body, that's the cause. And then food is just sort of a, a middle factor where if you completely cut out anything besides meat and beef and salt water, then you can remove the wire brush, but you're not healing the wound. You're just not irritating the wound anymore. So and I mean, the body does like, like a wound, it is a decent example because the body does have a capacity to sort of regenerate and improve itself. So if you do, you know, a lot of carnivores, their, their labs probably get better vitamin status, minerals, everything probably improves a lot. But again, the, 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 the elephant in the room is still there. You can't eat anything besides beef, salt and water with your body going without your body going insane. I don't want to live like that. Um, I want to eat a pizza when I go to Italy, you know, and like feel fine, which is totally possible if you have high redox and high mitochondrial function generally. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's just the, the, the point to add in that it's, it's very, it's sort of counterintuitive at first, but when you, when one begins to ask, like ask these questions, like why is that person with a carnivore diet in the first place? So their immune system, why is it so out of whack? You know, this isn't like a thing that was happening 500 years ago or two, even 150 years ago, these crazy immune, immune diseases were non-existent not recorded at all yeah and so i guess the my question there would be do you think different people are on a spectrum when it comes to light sensitivity here um and that's why some people get more sick than others depending on the on the Mm. environment i don't think so no i think everyone's um equally almost equally sensitive to light i mean depends what you mean by sensitive like obviously people who are white-skinned have like are more sensitive to strong light because we don't have as much melanin to to block it, whether in our eyes or in our skin. And so in that way, we're more sensitive to light. But ultimately, like you could say the same thing, like African people, they're more sensitive to light in another sense because they have darker skin. They block out more, more UV light with their melanin pigment. And therefore, if they live, if an African person lives away from the, the tropics or the equator, then they are almost certainly going to have some level of vitamin D deficiency unless they spend their whole time outside because it takes them 10 times. It takes someone from Somalia almost 10 times as long as me to make vitamin D because of the melanin in their skin. Not to say, oh, anyone with light skin is superior. No, that's not the thing here. Of course, there's always people with PC who want to spin anything about race in that direction. No, it's biologic fact. More melanin means it takes 10 times longer in the, from the lightest skin to the darkest skin to produce vitamin D. That's an issue. And so it's like, um, there was a, there was a researcher, I forget his name. Um, Dr. Cruz has written about him in several blogs and posts, but he was doing these treatments on patients. Uh, he was bleeding patients and doing all kinds of different things with surgeries and whatnot. And they were on a ship. And what he found was that when he got into the tropics, the results of his surgeries and everything, everything was like significantly improved. Like the results they were getting in the patients, they were healthier, they were revitalized much faster and so on. And then there's also studies. I just did a podcast with Ben Greenfield, uh, fitness.com, you know, and his whole deal. And I talked through all the research. And so one tidbit, you know, I'll pull out like there, when they took mice and uh, even though mice are nocturnal, this is a really interesting thing. Um, 
they would drain like 50% of their blood. Mice kept in darkness died within two or three days. Mice that were exposed to, um, that were kept in light, like sunlight, were, uh, you know, they re- regained their normal hemoglobin, hemoglobin status within about two weeks. And mice that were irradiated with ultraviolet light specifically regained normal blood and cellular function within like nine days. So whereas the ones again kept in darkness, they died because again, light is like absolutely foundational for driving the the creation of, of our cells. Um, you know, it stimulates like all kinds of stuff that, that a lot of which isn't even known about. So yeah, that just that example there shows how, although food is important, it isn't necessarily the only thing we can be looking at and it won't fix the, a life problem. To answer your question more specifically, um, I think the reason why, well, from what the research indicates, the reason why some people get diseases and others don't, it has a lot to do with the mother, the maternal lineage. In other words, mitochondria, which we barely discussed yet, but there's a researcher from Philadelphia, my hometown named Dr. Douglas Wallace. He is a mitochondrial researcher, and he showed that essentially when these modern diseases are occurring, what's happening is that the mitochondria in those various tissues and systems are dysfunctional. And so, for example, in Alzheimer's disease, there's issues in the mitochondria, in the brain that lead to dysfunction and the ability of the clearing out of these plaques and so on that naturally you know, accumulate to some extent. Um, there's in diabetes it's it's also can be well obesity diabetes it's also like in the brain because it's this issues in the metabolic regulatory centers but the point is that all these diseases that we we have been in the u.s digging into the genome to find the answers for like 98 percent of federal funding is looking at the genetics it has shown that they're actually he's shown that they're mitochondrial so the reason i bring this up is that also what he he and his team discovered for a long time ago he's like very you know he's researched now for 30 or 40 years they discovered that mitochondria are passed down only b- via um, our mothers. And so these engines that give us life, and if, they dis- if they're dysfunctional, we have disease because we can't carry out our functions properly, kind of like a government that has a set budget for functioning. And then if you cut the budget even 5%, like it's going to have to lay off tens of thousands of employees, if not hundreds of thousands. So that's what happens in our body when we cut. Thankfully, though, we can still maintain what seems to be normal function. But I would wager that the majority of us, myself included, are functioning less than 75% of our actual potential, if not less than 50%. Um, I mean, if someone's sick, I I imagine they're even lower. But again, that's just a vague scale that's not very specific. But so because our mitochondria descend from our mother, if our mother and her her mother, where she received them from, was very healthy, they lived in an environment that kept their mitochondria, I guess we could say optimal, which is an environment where one is out in the natural basically cycles of nature, which we wouldn't have interfered with again until 1879. Um, that keeps things good. And then, you know, you can imagine almost back to like, you can imagine back to a time where there was people who had the ability to like, I guess not the ability, but there was like, how can I say people who, who actually had access to, to better resources, like to more food, to healthier food, to the delicacies, like these people probably would have been healthier. So that, that would have been like royalty. But basically, you know, it's almost like there was a time when people were generally healthier, I believe. Uh, these diseases, chronic modern diseases, you're probably familiar with this, they really didn't exist. So it's almost like 
I'm not even talking per se about people being like super optimal beyond what is standard. I'm, I'm more just referring to returning to our baseline. So, so parents and mothers and grandmothers who have lived in a toxic modern indoor lifestyle, they've gone really far from that baseline. People who have remained, maybe they grew up on a farm, they lived in nature, they went to the beach every summer and, and charged up their battery that way. These would be people who would, I believe, um, you know, be producing children who wouldn't be very sick in general. But the majority of people born today now, like especially younger kids, younger than me, I think my generation was fortunate. We're like just at the precipice of cell phones and so on. But now it's like every kid's getting an iPad from the moment they're a baby. So I think we're going to have, to be honest, uh, this is a prediction we'll see, but I think we're going to have rates of like insanely high rates of autism um, to the point where almost like practically every kid is, is either having terrible behavioral or pro- behavioral problems or is autistic within the next like 10, 10 or so years. It's going to be a really big societal issue. But so some people have an advantage. Some people have less of an advantage. And then some people, for example, this would explain why, again, to, to the question, why some people can eat like a shit diet their whole life and do anything they want and they basically retain their health probably they came into the world with really good mitochondria. And a great way to measure this is how fertile and healthy does the mother look, even as she ages. Because um, again, the mitochondria are passed down from a, a, the mother. So if you look at a woman and she's super skinny, she's super pale, she's overweight, mitochondrial dysfunction 100% of the time. If you look at a woman and she has you know, very nice uh, curvature, breasts, uh, you know, behind and everything, it's like very, I guess you could say feminine and fertile. That would indicate that she's very capable of bearing healthy children. And like, for example, I look at one of my best friends, his, again, his mom's very healthy. And I would say, you know, she's a very good looking person, even as she's aging. Um, his grandmother, he's always told me was very healthy and him and his sister are just the pictures of health and they kind of do whatever they want, but they're both very healthy almost in spite of what they do. Whereas I, my mom, she's had cancer. Um, she's had all kinds of issues she was like had allergies her whole childhood growing up. Her mom, I'm not sure where maybe she descended those issues. Her mom grew up in Dublin during the beginning of during World War II. She was growing up. So who knows what kind of toxin she was exposed to. It's just a different lineage, you know? And so I was born and, and by the time I was 14, I was like headaches every day, gut issues. That's like acute mitochondrial dysfunction. Thank God I wasn't born with childhood cancer or something, you know, that, that I would have just knocked me out quickly. I was at least, I had a chance. So that, that's the best I can do to answer your question. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think that's a good explanation of basically that, um, the reason being that some people might get more sick than others, exactly what you just said at the end there is just their level of mitochondrial health and which is what Dr. Doug, Doug Wallace was looking Wallace, at. Yeah. Yeah. And so in this case, what we're talking about with the light diet is, is, is in essence how to improve your mitochondria. And if you can have the strongest mitochondria possible, then potentially you have the best health possible. Absolutely. And with that, I'm going to actually open this window right in front of me. That's one thing is closed windows block ultraviolet light. And so sliding it over the screen, closed windows block the the full spectrum of ultraviolet light. That's a good segue for where we're going. Um, But yes, essentially that's what the light diet does. It's all about, it's all about optimizing the function of our mitochondria not by doing anything insane and, and new, but literally just by going back to the, the environment in which our mitochondria evolved so that they can function normally and naturally. Like one thing like I was alluding to earlier, which I have hardly considered, 
is why, for example, some like in, in an environment prior to artificial light and non-native electromagnetic fields, what factors would have led certain people to be, you know, more attractive, more healthy, more fit, whereas others were less, less so, you know, it's, it's hard to say. I would guess that, you know, even, even after the advent of agriculture and civilization, when we started wearing clothing, that was a, a decline, a human, a man-made um, idea that led to a decline in our biology. So I would, I would kind of err on the side of saying that just, this is for my own curiosity more than anything, like back before artificial light and non-native electromagnetic fields, the things that some of the factors that would have differentiated the ability of an organism of a human to, to be like the optimal, uh, the optimal one in the species for reproduction and mating and so on and the healthiest and the fittest, the long living, the longest and so on would have been a very a factor, you know, combination of factors, including like how much time they did get out in nature when they were a kid without so much clothing on their body. Um, how much, you know, exercise they did, of course, uh, the quality of the food they had access to. Cause of course, like in certain periods in the fifth, in the medieval times, certain people only had access to like, they only ate bread and they only lived till they were like 35, you know, they were also working like absolute slaves. So that, like, you know, we always talk about the sedentary lifestyles killing us and it would be great to be moving, but like maybe moving to a certain extent walking around. But if you look at most animals and most like most animals, this is why I have another contradiction or issue with the, the way of thinking about exercise. Like we should be moving all the time. Like I disagree. I don't think that's true. If you look at cat, like they literally just chill. If you think about like a, an engine, if you run the engine more, it's, are you going to like, is it going to live longer or not? Like, no, it's going to, it's going to wear out. And the same thing's true of our body. Like, sure. You need like, no, just, just for anyone who's going to be like jumping on this, like, yes, we need to move and a couple hours a day of movement is, is very sensible. Um, because that's what we probably would have been doing just to keep things functioning normally. But, but like and the idea that, that running the engine more and working out more like the, the idea of cardio is just, I think to some extent absurd, depending again on how healthy one is. If one's engines are optimal, like I, I also think like the Roman soldiers, I read Julius Caesar's book uh, about his conquest of Gaul. And it's a really interesting thing having the perspective I do of the light diet, like looking at what these people could accomplish. Like sometimes they'd be awake for like days on end without sleep or minimal sleep. They would be building the siege works to siege a building and they were like crushing it and they're fighting and they, you know, fight a battle for their lives with no sleep. And it was just like so real because it was written by Caesar himself. Um, and it just got me thinking like, wow, I think really we have really dropped our function tremendously from what, from what is possible. So, yeah. So what are some of the, um, you've alluded to them already, some of the tips that you would give someone who wants to implement a better like light lifestyle. Um, mm -hmm. what, what are the pro some of the processes that you would I like that up? you said lifestyle because I've all, I also thought about calling it the light lifestyle rather than the light diet but the diet's more like clickbait and funny mm. so um, but it is, it is much more of a lifestyle than a diet it's just a diet of one's light environment so yeah the tips um, what I would say and yeah we've been heading this direction is the key is just to again remove more than anything the things that we've implemented as a society that disrupt our biology and just if we just do that really well we'll appear to be the healthiest most amazing individuals and so the first i could just run through the steps there's eight steps do you want me to just walk through them 
Yeah, go All right. So, so I'll, I'll go through it. Um, the first step is to, I'll go through all first and then we can dive into ones that you have specific questions on, but which you probably will on all of them. But one is to sleep with the sun, avoid artificial light after the sunset, wear blue light blocking glasses after the sun goes down to increase natural melatonin secretion, use only orange, red, amber bulbs in a house at night to not disrupt the circadian rhythm and so on. But most importantly, going to sleep within three hours of sunset, depending on where you are. If it's the summer later is okay. If it's winter earlier is uh, better. Um, and yeah, before 10 PM every night, nine is ideal. That's key. That's like really getting the most important hours of sleep and everything. So that's one, two, um, rising with the sun. So if we go to sleep early enough at the right time, we're going to be waking up naturally four or five, six AM, more like five. If you're asleep by eight or nine, uh, five or six, you know, and then getting out in the light. So like, again, just nothing new and special. It's just removing the walls, the windows and the clothing that we've put onto ourselves that block us from the source. So, and, and also if possible, getting in the direct sunlight for the sunrise, although just being out in the ambient light is a huge benefit. But for people who have lived the indoor lifestyle their whole life, it would generally be better to actually, as the light shines through the clouds, it's funny, it would be better to get in the direct light. So that's two. Three, we want to be sunbathing with some frequency. So we're actually building up our natural tan, solar callus, vitamin D levels. Um, and there's a whole protocol for how to go about that safely and, and in time, but it's generally start with five to 10 minutes and build up. And the other steps also uh, improve the body's, the, the function of the skin and the ability for it to assimilate light properly for those who say, oh, but I burn so quickly. I used to be like that five, 10 minutes in the summer sun and I was fried. Um, so anyone who says, Oh, I can't sunbathe. I just burn. It's just that your skin isn't functioning properly, but you can fix that. So even Irish, I'm Irish too, super pale. Um, so that's that three. Number four, you want to be, uh, eating good quality seafood, uh, you know, lower on the food chain, lower in the mercury and the toxins, but, uh, like sardines, the best are shellfish full of all kinds of nutrients and so on, but particularly an omega three called DHA, which is, the omega-3 fatty acid, which makes up the myelin sheathing around our nerves, which is the also the same fatty acid that distinguishes or th this omega-3 DHA, it allowed us to build the complexity of the human brain from an ape's brain. So as you go up sort of the chain of hierarchy of intelligence of animals, mammals in particular, there's higher levels of DHA in the, in the brains that are more complex and, and smart, essentially. Um, and so in DHA, this molecule is highly conserved. It's passed via mothers to their children by breast milk. Uh, again, it's critical for the building of a brain. And that's why these omega-3 supplements, even in the supplement form, they, they, the studies show tremendous benefits, but much better in the seafood form because it's less prone to oxidation. You don't want to be, I personally, I never take the supplements because I don't want to have any fatty acids that are in the place of the important DHA that aren't maybe exactly what needs to be there. In other words, something that could be more easily damaged and so on. So eating tons of seafood helps us to assimilate more light and it helps us to uh, basically turn that light into electrical currents essentially that we can utilize. So we are like a photoelectric being. We, we Light hits us and we use it in electrical form, electromagnetic form to power all these reactions. That's how like vitamin D works and how all this stuff works. So very fascinating. Um, step five is eating 
are drinking good quality water. So when we're getting all the light in, we want to have, um, you know, healthy water in our body, in our cells, like spring water uh, and so on. We don't want to be loading up on uh, chlorinated, fluoridated, chemical laden tap water. So avoiding municipal water, that's five. Six is getting out into cold water, bathing in cold water like the Iceman Wim Hof does. This is tremendously beneficial for uh, for a lot of things, metabolism, sleep. He's using it to help people reverse all kinds of diseases. But the main mechanism is that that just supercharges our mitochondria by basically playing a trick in the, in the body system where it just causes the mitochondria to start pumping out a ton, basically massively upregulating our metabolism and pumping out a ton of um, infrared light as heat, which is how we stay warm. Because if we didn't have a mechanism to regulate our own temperature, like for example, just like a cold blooded animal doesn't, then we would basically die with excess exposure to cold, like a cold blooded animal. They can't live out of the tropics because they need the sun to literally keep their body temperature stable. And if they're exposed to any level of cold for any significant period of time, they're totally toast. That's why the dinosaurs went out when the sun was blocked. Um, not necessarily the cold, but the lack of sun. And so we have the trick you could say in our mitochondria where we can generate our own heat from our own fat stores with these things called uncoupling proteins and cold blooded animals don't. So that's pretty cool again. Cause like you get in a cold bath, if the body temperature, people know this, if your body core temperature goes down by a couple of degrees, you're toast in Celsius. It's like one, one degrees down, two degrees down and you're done. But for in Fahrenheit, it's like three or four degrees and yeah, you're toast. So, uh, when we get into an ice bath, it's 40 degrees Fahrenheit or, or, you know, five degrees Celsius, we should be dead in an instant by that. But we actually have these mechanisms to burn our own fat, activate our engines and get them supercharged. It's awesome. Uh, so that's great. And it helps us to assimilate more light just by bathing in cool water, like a beach, a river, a lake, a stream, a ice bath in your backyard, a sh cold shower, but bathing is even better for more surface area exposure for a longer time. So there's that. Step seven out of eight is to avoid man-made electromagnetic radiation. So beyond avoiding artificial light after sunset and so on, we want to be avoiding artificial light during the day. We want to be um, avoiding the use of windows because windows alter the spectrum, which we're again designed to be basically experiencing constantly to power our biology. And I can dive more into that one uh, later on. But uh, that's critical. Also, the biggest is one of the biggest is avoiding man-made electromagnetic fields like the Wi-Fi I'm using on this computer that's irradiating my whole being right now to talk to the router downstairs just so we can communicate. Like this has really been shown to be really harmful. The cool thing is if you get more sunlight, you're connected to, you know, getting in cold water, connected to the earth, um, doing all this, these things and have a higher redox, which is higher mitochondrial function. People can deal with this a bit, a bit better. But still, it's still really toxic. And there's people who you probably know who are electrosensitive. I know several myself who are like, avoid this stuff. So this also, just like artificial light, this non-invisible, these non-visible frequencies um, of EMFs, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, cell phones, these disrupt our function. So phone on airplane mode, the biggest hack being avoid living in major cities because that's just a, especially with the new frequencies they're, they're testing with, 5G and all this stuff, it's like, even with 4G and 3G, it was already bad enough. Studies have shown that even those frequencies and wavelengths that are in use cause cancers and uh, birth defects, uh, DNA breakages, and all this stuff. So definitely best to avoid those things if one wants to achieve optimal health. 
especially if one's like hit a plateau and they can't figure out why they're not getting better, why they're still having weird issues. That would be something to look for because you can't see it. Um, so avoiding that, avoiding major cities, avoiding, uh, you know, keeping the phone on airplane mode, turning Wi-Fi off while you're sleeping, turning the circuit breaker, going camping, living in nature, that, that kind of thing. And then the last step is cultivating one's inner light. And this is just as important, if not more important than all the rest combined. Um, like, and this involves, uh, anything like Qigong yoga, uh, you know, cultivating one's inner light, the light that makes us up, which we could go into in depth, but in short, we are beings of light, literally like, um, you know, people know this to some extent intuitively and religious traditions have talked about it, but physically it's been proven that our cells communicate with extreme low frequencies of ultraviolet light. And so even when we, when, when our cells are stressed, they leak more light when they're healthy, they retain light well, but then when we die, our cells leak out all of their light. And that's actually been tested and measured. Um, I believe it was done in animals, but presumably, you know, it's the same in humans, although they might have done it on humans who just had died and then you know, they were dead naturally, but they were testing. I'd have to go back and review it. But anyway, so this is, hap- this is what happens in multicellular organisms. The cells leak all their light when we die until the body is cold and hard and in the state of rigor mortis. And so like rock solid once the corpse has leaked all of its light out. And so that implies that what we are, you know, cause then when someone's dead, you don't point to them and say, Oh, that's my friend. You know, you say your friend's dead, he's gone, whatever that means. And that that's his body, you know, the body, which obviously by the, the verbiage that we use implies, even though we're not aware of it implies that the person who we thought was there or once was there is no longer there anymore. It's just their body. And therefore, um, when I say cultivating our inner light, that really just means cultivating our soul, the, the person who we really are. Um, and yeah, again, that's like having good friends also, um, you know, reading good books, doing stuff we love. So that's like the kind of finding one's purpose. You know, there's the Maslow's hierarchy of needs and self-actualization and so on are really important. So that kind of is the all-encompassing step. But the most important thing that I've learned about recently is this really interesting source energy practice from a doctor named Dr. Barry Mor- Morgellon or Galen, I think is how it's pronounced. He was at the London event. I'm not sure if you saw his talk, but he, he's an amazing guy. And he at least claims, and based on, you know, um, yeah, he, from his, his experience, he was, he was a doctor who went out to China and he was doing surgery teaching to the Chinese in like the 90s and stuff, teaching their 80s, even teaching them different surgeries as a, as a Western doctor, you know, and he was basically advancing up in the ranks and when they would, when he would do them good things, do things for them, they always wanted to offer a favor in return. And so he eventually was asking, like, can I meet the top guy in the Chinese medicine system? And they were like, no, he doesn't talk to anyone. Like, it's impossible. You know, this is like the, I guess, the descendant of Lao Tzu from the practices of um, ancient Chinese medicine, Taoism, and so on. And eventually he was actually given the audience of this, of this grand master who's the single repository of all of the wisdom of ancient Chinese medicine and the traditional practices. And there's only pretty much one at a time from what, from what I was, uh, what was described to me. And so basically he met this guy, went through deck, like I think it was like two decades or something plus of training with this guy. And he was the only Westerner ever to achieve the status of grandmaster that in, in their system. And it's cool because this practice called source energy practice is, is the, the way it's said in English. It, it is the, the practice from which things like yoga, um, Qigong, martial arts have all emerged. Acupuncture have all like split off of this fun- foundational practice, which is something I've been searching for for a long time. So I've just started doing these practices, but that's also something very fascinating. People can look up their website, Energy for Success, 
And the guy's Dr. Barry Morgulan, M-O-R-G-U-E-L-A-N. I actually met him in person at the London event. He is like confirmed one of the most centered, energetic people. So that's just something I'm throwing out from my experience of how I'm choosing to apply the eighth step of improving my life and myself. But those are the steps of the light diet. So it's really like um, remove the stuff that's disconnecting us from the electromagnetic fields that are we're designed to be in to drive all of our biology. It, it isn't that complicated if you really think about it. It's, just, it's basically in one step or two steps. I guess one simplest would be go outside, done. Two would be go outside during the day, especially in the morning, and then avoid artificial light at night. It's like the yin and yang sign. That's the easiest way. Light in the day, darkness at night. Light in the day, darkness at night, or blue blockers. But Because it can be overwhelming. So anyone who just listened to all that, just ignore everything you just heard and only go out in the sun in the morning and block blue light at night with blue light blocking glasses and you'll start to increase your dopamine level even just with sun exposure and completely ignore everything else. Honest to God, because the water, the seafood, the EMF reduction, um, even the source energy practice, that's pretty important, like Qigong meditation and stuff. Maybe don't ignore that one. But the rest, forget about them until you start getting morning sunlight and building a natural dopamine level so you can recognize trends better and think better and, and feel benefits. Yeah. So that's the light diet. <laughs> well, wow, that, that was a good synopsis there. And Yeah, um, it's the best I've ever done. <laughs> it usually takes like an hour just to get through those steps. I think that was like 10 minutes. Yeah, and what I like about that, Matt, is really what you're explaining there is natural, natural foundational stuff. Like wake up with the sun, go, go to bed when it goes down, make sure you get outside, enjoy your life, eat good food, drink clean water, socialize. I mean, and if you can start adding that, those elements to your life, that should be building your mitochondria. That should be making you more healthy and allow you to try repair if you're coming from a state of illness of some sort. 100%. And, and what I, I like about that, so especially when a lot of people listen to these podcasts, they may be coming from a state of very ill health, like they're very weak, uh, fatigued, tired. And in, and in this case here, what I like is that you could just uh, say, try wake up in the morning and see and see the sunlight and start there and see where you go from. Yeah, it's actually great. I And that's a really great way to put it. Just start with morning sunlight. That is the number one, even though going to sleep with the sun is number one. The reason I made that step number one, even though the sunlight used to be the morning sun used to be step number one, because it seems to fit more in the daily rhythm. Um, it's because I learned that if, if I'm not going to bed before like nine or 10, then I'm not going to be able to wake up by sunrise. But the only reason we're able to stay up even till nine or 10 is because of artificial light. Like if it was just dark, we didn't have artificial lights or all we had were like fire, the color of fire candles. Like just try one night in your house only using candles at night. Like you'll be exhausted unless someone has insomnia. They never get any sunlight, in which case they might not be exhausted anyway. But in general, your average person will be exhausted and the kids will be like out cold. You know, it's funny. I actually tell this to people. This is like the funniest, most awesome part is that um, one of the biggest issues that parents face is like as a, as a whole group is trying to get their kids to sleep. And it's like such an artificial problem because it's based on the fact that every, every kid is now exposed to like an iPad and artificial light shortly. You know, they're after sunset all day long. So they're never getting the sunlight that helps to regulate the circadian rhythm uh, enforce our natural production and secretion of melatonin and all these other things. The kids are literally just getting blasted with fake light all day long, frying their cortisol levels and their hormone panels. And then of course they can't sleep. Probably a ton of kids. Like I, I couldn't sleep when I was younger. It took me, well, I could, but it took me like an hour just to fall asleep. And I thought that was normal. 
until I got into this stuff and I start like falling asleep, like literally the moment my head hits, head hits the pillow or within a minute or two, like then I was like, dang, that's probably what that's, that was something I should have noticed that was linked to all of the health issues I was having, but I never noticed it. I never realized that that wasn't normal, you know? So, um, and people went like women will like message me and be like, Oh my gosh, like my kids are sleeping. Like it was so easy to put them in bed because they were in the sun in the morning and they like didn't have artificial light at night. It's like, it's so, it's so easy. I guess a light diet is easy. The whole, the whole picture, like life itself for me, at least I, I, I don't purport that it's an easy thing, by the way. Like if anyone's watching this and like, Oh, this guy maybe has it figured out or at least he thinks he does. Like, no, I don't definitely not. Like, I'm going to get off this podcast and just get into a whole thinking like, what am I doing with my business, my, my goals, my time, you know, it's like, I'm, you know, I, life is still a whole thing to figure out, but I guess the best way I can put it is with the light diet, at least like, at least my health, I, I'm not really that concerned about it. You know what I mean? Like, that's one thing I've been able to say like, okay, like, even if it's not perfect right now, like I, I'm have the tools to improve it. Whereas to just to give some contrast, like I look at my friend's roommates in the, in the, I'm staying with a good friend of mine in his college town in Austin, Texas at the moment, uh, just, just for a, a few weeks. And like, I just look at, you know, his like other roommates or other people I see around campus. And it's like, people are living like a really toxic lifestyle, like staying up super late. It's just normal, like till two, 3am, 4am, like all night long doing their work, not getting the proper regeneration for their souls, gaining weight looking super pale, like seeming depressed, anxious, like lost. And I'm just like, whoo. So even though I, to me, I have like my own, let's say issues, things I think about nonstop at the moment, uh, business where I want to live. Cause I haven't had a fixed base in a while. Cause like I'm, I'm concerned about the risks of the EMF, uh, EMFs, you know, so I don't want to live near a major city, but I also want to have the community in a place like Austin, Texas. So it's, it's a tr- tough trade-off, but here's one of the pilot cities for 5g testing and so on. So I'm like, well, if I am going to stay here, I'm going to stay in the, in the hill country nearby just cause I'm interested in preserving, preserving my optimal health. Like that's my brand. That's my fascination. Some people are like, you know what, I'll take the risk and I'll deal with it so I can have a normal life. But for me, it's like, I don't want to do that. I want to figure out how optimal I can get. And that's why I'm going to go to Mexico shortly and stay down there for a few months for a reason. We'll, discuss we can discuss separately there's like a special magnetic field energy there due to the asteroid that killed all the dinosaurs uh, the impact crater was down there and so there's like stronger magnetic field strength and basically it makes our cells function more effectively but yeah it's like i see this 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 life that like my peers are living and man you're you hit the nail on the head like it is it, it um it's both simple natural and if you start doing it and you look back at the way that people are living their lives, like on their phone all the time, the moment they wake up, scrambling their hormones and their brain function, the circadian rhythm, never getting sunlight. Like it's, it's clear why so many people are totally depressed. It just, it just becomes immediately clear. Mm. And again, I think I always think of something that you could do at any age and, you know, anywhere in the world and trying to see the sun and you know go to bed at, at the right time is something you can do anywhere in the world and yeah. you're just saying how you even you're on the journey now to try and find what is going to be more optimal for your health too um for multitude of reasons you know um but 
Yeah, I, I think I'm glad you brought up that point about because some people do naturally have to go to bed later and they're going to wonder, you know, I can't wake up at like five o'clock in the morning if the sun rises, then I need to wake up at seven. But or something. I would challenge the point, like who really naturally needs, no one naturally needs to go to bed later. If anyone needs to go to bed later, it's unnaturally needs to go to bed later, just to be clear. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. is there any example in your mind of someone who needs to go to bed later? Like, I, I can't think of anyone because that's like saying I need to cause cancer. Like, no one needs to harm themselves. Like, you yeah. don't have to. You well, can I just to. Yeah, and I'm just thinking you're gonna maybe you get some people who feel they they work better late at night, or you get sh- uh, shift workers. And I know, unfortunately, shift workers are well, more that's just a illness. toxic career. Yeah, that's like working. Like, that's literally the research is clear. That's like working in a coal mine, but worse almost. Like. Well, actually, no, it's probably just as bad being in darkness all day and toxins surrounded by toxins or being in darkness or light all night surrounded by toxins than a hospital surrounded by the most toxic radio frequency, electromagnetic field, x-ray devices that are possibly available. This is why Dr. Cruz, who's a mentor of mine, who taught me pretty much all of this stuff about health. That's how he got into this stuff because he was a, he was a medical student, a resident for uh, oral surgery, then a resident for neurosurgery. So he did 13 years of medical school, which is very more than the average person does, even a, a doctor. And he's been working in, in neurosurgery for over a decade plus, two decades, I think almost now. And like he became, after about those 13 years of residency plus a few years in practice, he was completely destroyed, completely trashed on all fronts, so super sick, morbidly obese that he that's what drove him to look for the solution just like for me when i was 14 feeling like crap and i want to feel better he was at the same place as a result of neurosurgery so night shift work work especially in hospitals is like the surest best way i could possibly imagine to kill yourself slowly and insidiously and i make no pretense of being like uh like accommodating or like um like Oh, that's okay. You can kind of hack it. Like, no, like it is a toxic job. It is, it is like you are killing yourself. But if someone wants to do it, that's not like my, like, I don't care. Like, it's not my thing. But, and yes, they can always hack it. Like, if you, because you only do night shifts a few nights a week. So if you get the sleep during the nighttime, the other days of the week, and get out in the sun practically all day, and you spend all day in cold water and stuff in nature, I have a friend uh, in Bay Area who, his wife works like three or four nights a week um, on night shift. And then like the other, she's like doing, she's completely free or it's like 10 on 10 off or something like that. Seven on seven off. So the time she's off, they literally just shoot out to like the national parks in Northern California and hang out. Like he, he knows it's bad. I, they might not know how bad it is. Cause otherwise uh, no one would, uh, would stay in it. If, if they understood from my perspective, how bad it is, unless there was like their absolute calling you would have to know that you're trading like pretty much your entire healthy lifespan for that career. So I don't think anyone would make that choice if they understood it. Again, if someone has really healthy mitochondria, like in the past, people have done night shifts too, just like the Roman soldiers, they might be able to handle it a lot better. But in the modern world, the key, I guess the key metric to put across is if someone's healthy, do what you want to do. But if you're sick and you have problems and you feel like you're short, you have depression, you're anxious, don't know what's going on, then it's like all bets are off. Like you're not going to get healthier doing that no matter what you do. No matter how good your diet is, no matter how carnivore you are, you're not going to fix your sleep, hormones, destroy mitochondria, energy level, depression, and so on. Um, so yeah, I, I just like to be very clear. You, you see what I'm getting at? Like, People can do what they want. I'm not the boss. I'm just sharing some info. But like, 
people should, I'd love if, if people were aware of the consequences because I didn't know the consequences of being on cell phones, living in artificial light, never getting the sun, but it really made my life miserable for a while. So like, I wish someone had been out in the public speaking about the health risks of these things, but that's now my job because no one else has done it except Jack, Dr. Cruz. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've got you on the show too, because I do believe um, what, what you're discussing here, some of these elements about make, just trying to get the fundamentals with your, your body clock can have such an impact on your health. And I always used to tell people too, you know, when I, when I look at someone, I look at them, it's, it's going to be a, a strange analogy here because we're talking about EMFs, but you look at someone like a battery and you look at how charged they are. And so when they wake up in the morning, are they 100%? Are they full bar green? Or are they already half or in the red zone? And if you're all, say, if you're waking up to start your day in the red zone, you've only got a little bit of energy to, sus- to sustain, sustain your day and your organs and your basic functions of life. You can't push yourself too hard. And what I like about what you're talking about, Matt, I believe the ele- what, you're, what you're discussing here are so simple that you could help recharge that battery. So if you're starting at that really low point, you could start getting back into the green zone again just by trying to wake up and get some sun exposure, by trying to not expose yourself to prolonged artificial light at night. You know, Then once you have a bit more energy, start taking the other elements and, and moving in the right direction. Absolutely. Yeah, that's pretty much the key. So, you know, people have the light diet, you have the tips, some of the science back, science background, like we didn't get too deep into mitochondria, but one of the things I should just throw out is like the reason why glass isn't good, for example, more specifically is because or artificial lighting in general is because when we have blue light, like in nature with the sun, which is the only light source we had for the first four billion years of evolution until, you know, fire or we had lightning strikes, starlight and moonlight. So, you know, relatively speaking, very insignificant amounts of light, except fire light can be significant, but it only contains red, orange, and yellow, very little green, no blue, no violet, no ultraviolet. So it doesn't disrupt our circadian rhythm, our circadian system. And and that red and infrared light that's released from fire when we burn logs is actually light that we can utilize in our body, just like an infrared or red sauna. That's like fire's way better than any, I mean, anyone who's ever sat around a campfire, like people think, oh, it's just cool to look at. No, it's like really, really good for you. People think like, oh, it's healthy because you're with community. Like, yeah. And it's especially healthy because you're charging your mitochondria with red light and your body with red light and the cells and your water in your body. So bonfires are like the best, especially if you if it's cold out and you get close to it, so your skin's being cooled so you can absorb more of that light. It's like nothing else you've ever experienced, at least from my perspective. But um, anyhow, so with the red light, with the like artificial lights, what happens is there's blue, like a good amount of blue light, which is what we, you know, lighting engineers and designers use a lot of blue because it's known that more blue means more alertness, mental acuity, think brain turns on and so on, which is accurate only for a certain period of time though. After a while, the brain just, is just shorted out or it actually it lasts, but it destroys our hormones because we're creating a constant cortisol spike, constant stress scenario. So it's really hard to unwind from a constant day of artificial light just driving through the brain. Um, but so we have all this blue light, but we don't have co- the the amount we don't have red light the amount of red light and infrared light that balances that and so it's like every time in nature that we would have been awake and conscious with blue light there was always red and infrared light that so the the, let's just say for example to simplify it the blue goes through the brain and turns the brain on and then the red actually goes deeper into our it penetrates deeper through our skin 
people can look up like diagram of different wavelengths of light penetration in the skin. And you'll see like ultraviolet barely penetrates at all because the skin's designed to block it because it's so high energy. We only need a tiny little bit. Um, and then blue gets a little deeper than red, orange, yellow. So green, green's a little deeper and then red and those frequencies go really deep, like practically all the way through the skin into our cells and so on. So that it's like the blue wakes us up and keeps our brain on. And then the red powers our function because it's been shown in the red light therapy world, you know, juve red light rising, all these companies making these red light panels, um, that red light alone improves mitochondrial ATP production, mitochondrial function and everything. So it's like, we're, it's not like, it's not the way that I would explain this is that it's not like that. that's an added benefit. That's a new thing. That's how we're supposed to be functioning all the time. Does that make sense? So it's like red light increases ATP, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, that's how it's supposed to be. It just brings us back to where we were, you know? So when we are under blue light and we don't have the red light that matches it to power it, it's like we're basically stealing from ourselves. We're powering consciousness, but the mitochondria don't have all of the resources that they used to to generate energy properly. So this means we're having, for all the energy we're trying to use, because our body's designed to use a bunch of energy, especially our brain, our eyes, and our heart, um, we're trying to use a lot, but we don't have the same same power that we used to, to, to actually power all of that. So the mitochondria are looking for solutions. So what happens when this energy incongruence is occurring is it's uh, decreased energy generation and that leads to increased uh, free radical production. So reactive oxygen production in the mitochondria. This is the work of Dr. Wallace. He doesn't talk as much about the light, but the, the fundamental thing is that the, the fundamental equation is the same. Decreased mitochondrial energy generation leads to increased production of free radicals, which do several things, but one of them is um, they are like a signaling molecule, but in particular, they, they lead to mutations in the mitochondrial DNA, which is a, a natural mechanism for attempting to find a solution to an altered environment. But in our case, we're not really going to find a solution because we're just, it, it's, our solution will just be de devolving to match the amount of complexity that is allowed by the energy that's available, if that makes sense. So like we had a ton of energy when human brain evolved and DHA, sunlight, magnetic field strength in East equatorial East Africa. And that led to this. And we've cut our energy levels that we have available to use for a living energy driven organism down to this. So we're going to slowly and actually already have, and we'll continue to devolve to the point where we're here. So it's, um, yeah, that's why. So I'm almost like a pro, I would call myself a pro human because there's lots of people like alive today, especially in like the leftists and like the, like, um, in I super, environmentalist crowd, I guess you could say I'm all for like protecting the planet, of course, our home and keeping it clean and not polluting. But like, there's an agenda that's deeper about, um, about like controlling people. And one of the, in these like global committees that were basically put, brought together in the last two decades, uh, by from, from my research and people I've spoken with, there's these like, I guess, supranational committees that are like composed of higher-ups in government bodies and very wealthy corporate people and so on who basically kind of decide how things happen. And one of the things that was decided on in the 90s was that in order to like transcend the limitations of sovereign nations that, that you know, like afford people rights and so on and so on, they would uh, create a, a new common enemy and that common enemy would be what they called global warming. And then they changed the name to climate change when the, the warming trend stopped just so that it would still fit the idea. And basically... Um, 
there's, I guess the, the point that I'm getting towards is that, you know, there's become this mindset that humans are toxic leeches and parasites of the planet. And that's the mindset that a lot of these people carry. And I, I firmly oppose that. I believe that the human life is the most beautiful, amazing development of evolution. And that there's, again, the people who want to do away with this essentially through the way they talk and think and their rhetoric and their actions are, are evil. And so, I, I do believe that humans are not only sh- should get to where we were before, but we should continue to evolve to the point where we can all maybe mimic or get closer to what those those higher levels of evolution that what we could call enlightened humans have achieved. Just like um, there's a great analogy I read recently, like the first ape that could touch its or the first animal that could touch its thumb to its uh, other fingers to its small finger, you know, the opposable thumb that led to this ability of of primates and humans in particular to do insane amounts of things from building tools and so on and so on to becoming where we are now, just the opposable thumb. Like the first animal that ever did that wouldn't necessarily have been able to explain the significance of that uh, to anyone else, you know, because it didn't realize the significance. But like, for example, that the little bits of uh, enlightenment that certain humans have evolved, it's, I, I truly believe that that is, that is where we could all go. And that's just like the first animal that ever touched its thumb to its pinky. And that's, that's what this enlightenment some people reach are. So I think we could go that direction as a species, or we could listen to the, you know, people who think that humans are leeches, parasites of the planet, and just basically all kill ourselves, which is what their logic ultimately leads to. And a lot of people who carry that logic end up actually committing suicide oftentimes because they're depressed. They don't take care of themselves. So anyway, that was a super maybe (laughs) off the side kind of conversation, revealing my own personal ideas about the world. But the point I'm making is that like, this is important for people to protect themselves because, and to take care of themselves because we could go in one direction as a human species, or we could go in another, which is where the majority are going right now. And it's like, to me, the choice is apparent which way to go, but yeah. Well, that's definitely going to get a lot of YouTube comments. I can see that section there. (laughs) Well, let's see. Let's see what, let's see what they say. I'd love to, I'd love to engage and learn yeah but matt um we are just coming up on our time here but i just wanted to say thank you again so much for sharing all your tidbits um you know if i just had to summarize the light diet again it's very simple just get outside go with your body clock um expose yourself to things that nature has and you're going to start energizing your mitochondria and then you can maybe look at other things to help from there but as you said you know get that right first and you'll be amazed at what your body can do yeah, a great way to put it would be like, if you want to feel well, often, you know, generally get more light and there's nuances, but more light. If you want to feel depressed, sad, and so on, which no one does, stay in the dark, which is, you know, yeah. what we're doing now. Dark meaning indoors, behind walls and glass. So under artificial light. So awesome. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I think it'll be very uh <laughs> inspirational to some of your listeners and maybe frustrating to others and more than anything educational across the board so and matt if anyone wants to follow you keep in touch with you do you have any specific uh links or social media accounts that you'd like to promote totally yeah i have instagram i'm called the light diet l-i-g-h-t normal spelling of light that's that's pretty much the only place right now where i'm um you know posting uh, or i'm just existing on social media. I generally avoid it anyway. My main focus is on my company, Raw Optics. I make these, like I discussed, well, barely discussed, but blue light blocking glasses for blocking. They're beautiful. Yeah, for blocking the frequencies of light that disrupt sleep, circadian rhythms. I make them look good. That's the goal. 
Um, so we offer like a higher end, higher quality model than the cheaper ones on Amazon that don't do everything right. So my company's called rawoptics.com and you can follow us at raw underscore optics on Instagram where actually my uh, social media manager, he posts, he posts like the most amazing content. Like it's, it's just, if you actually read the captions, it's insane the quality that he, you know, of the information he's putting out, which is all the stuff that we we're both interested in. So yeah, that's where people can get the most good info. Fantastic. And I'll link to all of that in the show notes. But again, Matt, just want to say thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.